Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm happy to connect with you this week. I hope that everyone is well out there. We have had a few heavier episodes recently, and this one is going to continue kind of similar to last week where we talked about thriving in tough situations. We're going to keep in those tough situations But this time, we're going to be speaking a lot about parental alienation, a new term that I was not familiar with, as well as divorce and step-parenting, which I am familiar with. Um, My parents divorced when I was about 16, so um, definitely have experience with that um, and know many others who have had divorce experiences. So interested to hear more about how... um, how divorce can impact children, but then also the flip side of how if you are in a situation where you're experiencing divorce in your own relationship potentially, or you're becoming a step-parent, what are there things that we can do to support the children and each other in those relationships? So I think this conversation can really be useful Um you know, if you are a child of divorce, as I said, or if you are supporting children of divorce, or if you're in a divorce, right? It's just a different perspective for you to understand. And I think it's going to be really great information. So obviously, today we're going to have a guest that's going to speak with us about all of this. We're going to speak with Lisa Goodpastor. She is such an inspiration. She's moved through a really difficult past, including challenges with parental alienation. Her story is actually quite unbelievable when she explains, you know, what she's been through. And so she's here to share her story, to talk with us about parental alienation, divorce, step parenting, and more. Lisa is a parental alienation survivor and a childhood trauma educator. So I hope that you will be able to connect with this conversation and maybe take some things out of it. As always, it's not meant to be advice, but really reflection on someone's personal experience and where they see change could have happened. And maybe you'll learn something new. I certainly did. We talk a little bit about somatic therapy and different things that... um, were used by Lisa throughout her experience. So please join me in welcoming Lisa Goodpastor. So welcome, Lisa, to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit about your background? Okay. For your listeners, um, they may be familiar with this, but uh, I'm a typical Gen Xer. When I mean typical, meaning, uh, you know, latchkey kid. My parents got divorced when I was young, and four. And uh, my parents' divorce was like uh, many parents that get divorced. It was uh, uncomfortable. Uh, don't remember much of your, you know, before your parents got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Um, Something very horrible happened, which I will explain. Uh, but basically, I grew up to prove this took my whole life. I proved uh, what happened to me, which was a severe alienation, really, from both of my parents, but mainly my mom. So I turned something really horrific that is still happening to millions of kids and kind of igniting a path forward for parents and, you know kids to uh, understand this at a more um, human level than clinical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's get into a little bit more, I guess. That does sound difficult, alienation from both of your parents, for sure. Um, I wondered if you could explain a little bit about what is meant by parental alienation, and then what it's like being an alienated child. Right. Great questions. So, so parental alienation, that, that term has been around for like over 50 years. And basically, 
Parental alienation is when two parents, especially going through a divorce, uh, one is extra angry and instead of encouraging a relationship with that other parent, they destroy it. Mm-hmm. So kids are growing up uh, like I did because it's like they brainwash basically your parent or step parent or someone uh, brainwashes you away from your biological parent, whether it's mm. a mother or a father. So it's based on a false a belief system and we grow up believing like I did you grow up believing that you had one good parent and one bad parent okay yeah this you know it does seem like that probably does happen a lot yes it, it, right now when we look at divorce in our country get ready for this we are leading in the entire world with divorces and single family single parent homes worldwide mm-hmm. meaning yeah. everywhere so how many of those parents are co-parenting when you look at yeah. the world it, it 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 is this is ripping the fabric of our humanity and uh it's such an important uh topic uh, you know this is our our families and we don't know who we are when we are ripped away like that from them. So it's, it is definitely preventable. That's the hard part is that this is preventable. So this is parents that, you know, I'd like, I, I can't, it's hard for me to realize that yes, we do have parents that hurt their kids intentionally. When you're going through a divorce, it's traumatic. So parents lose sight that they have kids watching and we've normalized divorce and step families so much to the point that we've been pushing down things that um, uh, inhibit our kids and the way that they go about their lives. There's so many kids that are walking around with trauma and they don't even realize it. It's Mm -hmm. so sad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And I think, too, you know, when you think about parents that are potentially getting divorced, you know, there might be issues with communication and things like that from the get-go that are leading to, you know, that. And so then I could see that then, you know, it continues on within um, and and maybe like as you've explained in much more of an extreme way as well. So I wondered how... How did that kind of play out for you? Did it mean that you didn't see one parent? Uh, what were sort of the things that happened as a child? So, uh, so basically, <clears throat> uh, you know, when I look back, both my parents had the same uh, goal, just different methods, right? So, mm. like, like we said, parents get divorced and they lose sight. What it is is they lose sight of like what is really going on for their kids. Their kids' minds and bodies are growing rapidly. This is why it's so easy to manipulate and brainwash a child. And so when we think of uh, how this plays out, I just, you know, I had a, oh gosh, I want to say, I mean, an unhealthy attachment to my father at the time it was, it didn't feel like unhealthy because I was a kid. I didn't know. And what I mean is unhealthy is our parents are our first line of defense. Mm -hmm. They are how we survive. Every single one of us has a biological need to connect to our parents out of survival. So when parents divorce, I kind of attached, because I was so small, but I, I, I had an emotional connection to my dad and kids kind of connect on emotional level not an intellectual level yet right because they're still growing so they respond to things differently well uh i was so emotionally connected to my dad my and i was a little therapist for my dad i didn't know Mm -hmm. and my mom was more of the um clear-headed rational you need rules uh 
there are, you know, you got to go to school, you know, the important things that we need to do as a parent. Um, I'm a parent myself, by the way, my son's 29. And <laughs> oh, a, a wow. Step, yeah. Yeah, and a step parent, too. So I've kind of played all roles. I didn't mm-hmm. mention that in the beginning, but your listeners are listening. So uh, as a kid, you just kind of, uh, I thought it was normal. I thought my parents had a bad divorce. And back in my day, kids were to be, uh, you know, seen, not heard. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, just, we were latchkey kids. We could do whatever we wanted to do. We didn't, uh, we didn't have rules. And so it kind of just, I, I didn't really question it. Why would I know? And um, what happens is too many parents move on too quickly. Mm. And, you know, um, 70% of women are the ones that want a divorce, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and my dad didn't want the divorce. So he, he kind of had, you know, just like all parents, it was hard for him. So I suppose when he was dating, um, when I met my soon-to-be stepmom, she was uh, ten years younger, and uh, at the time I didn't I didn't know, but um, she was very um, she had a lot of I guess unresolved issues, and I she did not like me because I was a reminder that my dad had a past and this is very common when step parents um, alienate Uh, she couldn't alienate me without my dad kind of indoctrinating her into his oh my ex-wife did this and and you know how adults get into their you know they vent Mm -hmm. and so a lot of step parents unknowingly walk into a situation and believe everything that my dad had said about my mom, but she took it to a whole other extreme. And, uh, it's pretty sick what she did, but basically, um, one minute, you know, I'm seven and I was just supposed to go stay with my dad for a couple weeks. And the next thing, uh, I ended up staying with my dad for, uh, between seven and thirteen, which are significant amount of time with that's a significant time in a child's life that's mm-hmm. you know the growth uh, from your intelligence to your fight or flight everything is it's massive and when you're seven eight nine those are like when you're really um that's when kids have like the most self esteem right mm. and I remember having that and then all of a sudden I remember just feeling so angry and it's like a switch went on and it's like I didn't want to have anything to do with my mom I didn't want to look at her I was always running away uh, and nobody knew what this was so uh, I think at 15 I no 13 I get dropped off at my mom's because now at seven, I was a sweet, you know, mm-hmm. little kid. Mm-hmm. At 13, I'm now a teenager, and there's mm-hmm. a significant difference between, like, the alienated teen is a whole other archetype. Okay. I, yeah, so my mom gets me, and I get dropped off, and oh. all of a sudden, I'm just angry. I don't want to be with her. Why? Because it's in my body. That's what trauma does. Mm-hmm. when you're a child it erases your foundation so I was always running away um, I did whatever I I could do to um, we were always at odds couldn't couldn't sit at the dinner table she was trying to be like the you know like oh my god I have a out of control teenager she needs discipline and by nobody knew I couldn't even explain it I just had such um, so much emotions that, uh, you know, so they, my mom and my dad and my stepmom, it was, it was like, I was her puppet, my stepmom's puppet until I grew up and figured it all out. Mm, Yeah, no. And of course you would have had so many emotions that was kind of back and forth and, oh, wow, that sounds really difficult. It was very difficult because the person that you're supposed to, uh, that's your mother 
right? Mm-hmm. That's your, that's your the, the people that are supposed to protect you. I ended up protecting them. So I mm-hmm. stayed silent to protect my dad. And I believe that, you know, how my stepmom portrayed my mom is it's a, it's a character assassination. It's complete deprivation. I, I mean, it took me 40 years to put it all together. And there's proof because my stepmom actually wrote the script out to erase me from my mom. And I read it multiple times. I read it so much that when you look at the original script, there's the word high on the back. Like I wrote high. Like I always knew something was off. I just didn't know that I thought it was normal for parents to uh, get divorced and then get married. And this was just the way, this is how my stepmom painted it. This is just how divorce is. Divorce kids uh, end up screwed up because of they, they have a bad parent. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It, is, it yeah. can be the case if parents don't understand the significance of their child's body and brain growing. Because what happens is when we talk about trauma for kids, right? Like, yeah, like, what is childhood trauma? Trauma is anything that happens to us on the inside. That's how we feel on the inside. And what makes it worse, what makes trauma stick is when we are alone with those traumas. So when you think about children of divorce, they're alone half the time because one parent is missing. So from the moment from zero to 18, anytime a child is hit with a trauma is anything that overmines, oh, that overwhelms the mind. So anytime a child is overwhelmed between the ages of zero to 18 and they're alone, that's a trauma. So when you don't have alone, so when you don't have a parent there explaining what's going on for you, what happened, kid doesn't know how to self-soothe, doesn't know, so we suppress. So the mind suppresses, the body represses the emotions. So what goes in the mind stays in the body until it's mm-hmm. released. That's why um, this is so. Uh, this is this is so massive. This um, the stephood project that I, I started and um, bringing awareness to this is so massive because this changes the physiological the physiological side of your body. This changes your kid's mind and body. It's a biological natural response because we are wired for protecting ourselves. It's you're not supposed to protect yourself from your parents, so it's unnatural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, it's, it's, it's sustained trauma. So the easy way to explain it is my body remembered everything that I had pushed down and I suppressed once I remembered where my stepmom kept her, uh, I call it proof, her script. And when you read something at, you know, 10, not 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, then you read it at like 45 after your son is, you know, away at college or he's done with college and he was 24. I read it and I looked at my husband. I found it. I read it and I went, holy, you know, shit. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. This is what the hell happened because I knew it explained everything I couldn't explain. And, uh, yeah, and, and I got really sick. So there's a lot, there's a lot, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I guess, how did that then translate into your adult years and even being a parent? Um, you know, were you able to find help? So, yeah. So here's the thing. <clears throat> what really helped was, um, yes, I, I think that, uh, actually I know I, so what happens is when we're around someone that we don't like, or, you know, like me, I just, I just assumed it was normal. Like my dad allowed her to be the way she was. He tried to protect me, but she wasn't going to have it. She had other kids. So it was, um, Mm. it's either me or her. 
right? It's either my kid, it's either our kids or Lisa. Right. You choose. And that's when I went to live with my dad or my mom. So basically what happens is, oh God, it, it steals every aspect of your life. Because you're mm-hmm. talking childhood. You're talking, so it, it it sneaks into every aspect, our relationships, how we feel about ourselves. In, in my case, um, I developed patterns to cope because patterns are energy that we feel in our bodies. It's adrenaline. It's, it's like a steady drip of anxiety. Kids nowadays, they know what anxiety is. I didn't mm-hmm. know. I knew what it felt like. So right. for me, it was normal, but it wasn't. So back to your question, how it affected me as, um, well, it didn't because, well, it did, but I fought. I was a, I, I, uh, hated her, but Mm -hmm. I suppressed it. So I never wanted to be anything like her. And the way that, uh, I saw my parents, I didn't want to be anything like them. So I rebelled. Mm. So I remember being seven or eight and my dad complaining about how difficult it was and just things that a seven-year-old, eight-year-old doesn't need to hear before they get dropped off in the third grade. Regardless, um, what it did was from an early age, I was like, I'm never going to do this. And so when I became a mom, I became a young mom. Why? Well, it was my way out. I thought, if if I become a parent, then I can get out of here. But I had more of a, um, when I think about my son, I did, I parented him out of, um, not wanting him to feel what I felt. So I knew I was going to be present. I did everything that wasn't done for me Mm -hmm. and he was the biggest blessing and treasure of my life. And then as soon as he went to college at 18, mom started to unravel. Like being a mom gave me strength, gave me purpose, right? I didn't have to think about what I couldn't explain. I didn't have to, you know, I still was dealing with being uncomfortable around my mom, my dad, family, but suppressing it. And that's what we do. And then all of a sudden, um, I guess before uh, I found the proof is I got really sick. Mm. Like, what happens if emotions that stay in the body will make your body sick? That's why we have so many autoimmune disorders. Mm-hmm. So it's science. They're they're now all putting this together. Um, so luckily, uh, long story short, uh, I went to see a neurologist because I was having pain all over. I was I. It was like I was like 45, and like the next day I felt 95. And I thought it was just arthritis. I had had a cycling accident. I thought, I'm just, it's just arthritis. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I had broken my neck, didn't know in that cycling oh, wow. accident. Right? So they're like, it's got to be her nerve, something, something in your neck. Let's check your neck. And they did a neck thing. They did a neck MRI. I said, Lisa, those bone spurs aren't touching the nerves, so the pain is not coming from your neck okay, it's coming from somewhere, and I'm mm-hmm. not kidding, within the next day, uh, my husband was cleaning out the shed, and he found the script, and I, it was all dusty, I hadn't seen it in years, and that's when I opened it, and that's, I took it to my psychologist at the time, and they were like, ah, this was, this was such a great thing that she did, though, she's like, Lisa, I don't know if we can help you, I'm like, what do you mean, what happened to me, <laughs> I raised a kid. I've been married. I was a flight attendant. I had a full life. Like, I feel fine. But I didn't know. So I had to, um, basically, long story short, I went to, uh, it's a process. It's called the Hoffman process. And uh, they help release uh, negative and long-term patterns. It's a lot of neuro- neuroplasticity. Um, it's like 10 years of therapy in um, seven days. Oh, wow. That was just the beginning, though. <laughs> Then it was another, mm-hmm. I think, four years of like it was just constant um, uh, therapy, constant, constant, uh, you know, healing, somatic therapy, psychedelics, things that, because I wanted to. As soon as I knew, oh my God, what's in my body? It's it's all the stuff I repressed from childhood. As soon as I knew, because I had never liked her, 
Um, but I never said anything. I wanted all of that out of my body. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to give her any more of my, my mind, my, my, um, you know, my essence. This mm-hmm. was like, um, it was, it was like, she, it was contaminated. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it worked. And, you know, I just, that's the thing with childhood trauma is a, a lot of people think it goes away and it, no, it kind of becomes a part of you, who you are, if, you know, you choose to, to heal those wounds because that's what they are. They're wounds and they stay wounds until we figure out what happened. And that's the biggest problem with parental alienation is nobody knows what it is. The kids don't, um, the kids don't know what it's going to do to them later in life because it's basically abandonment, right? Mm -hmm. It's attachment. So when you remove that, that is a, that is a human hit like no other. It's, it's like you, you don't recover, you move through losing a parent. So it's, it's, it's really a, uh, a horrible thing to do to a child. And so she had actually written down yeah. like a story for you. Is that what you had come across? I'm just, yeah, she yeah. wrote her own narrative. Yes. She would okay. like, yeah. Uh, she wrote her own narrative where basically she goes all the way back to my birth. Like even my mom being pregnant and I was kicking my mom from the inside. I, I, I my mom in, I guess the way that she needed me to leave my mom was evil. I was an evil spawn. I was an evil stepchild. It's like Cinderella backwards. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, my it's, gosh. It's really, it, it, I, I know I'm, you know, a stepmom. I have a stepdad. Most step parents I know are phenomenal. But apparently there's a, um, the, not every, not every parent, not every human is, you know, um, aware or wants to be a good mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, that sounds really, really challenging for sure. I just, I can't even imagine. That's what people say when they, uh, because the script, how she did it and what she did is actually in part of my book and it will help with research and so that parents understand, because it's not, it wasn't just my stepmom. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It was both of my parents too. So kids, uh, we don't just wake up one day and hate a parent. Right. It's unnatural. And even when we say we hate, we're really hurt because something Mm -hmm. happened. And there was no way I could explain everything that was written until I was able to send it to my mom. And the day she read it and she said, how many triggers do you have? And luckily my husband had uploaded that, you know, just evil narrative and she got it, and I think she called me back in an hour, and it was like a massive shift, and she's never wavered, and it's like, it, it is, it is, I, I call it a, like, I feel like my mind was raped. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so sad, and I know that a lot of parents, they read it, they think, oh my God, your mom, oh my God, like, to not know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. she's thinking, my daughter's mad because uh, we got divorced. My daughter just is choosing her father over me. She thought it was rejection. She wasn't a good enough parent. Why doesn't my daughter want to be around me? And a lot of times there's a term that's called estrangement. And that's when a mm. child actually chooses to sever the relationship. But with me, I kept kind of going back. Like I didn't alienate my son from my mom. I didn't alienate my son from his father. I broke cycle after cycle, but still taking hit after hit to make my dad and my stepmom comfortable. Hmm. And to this day, though, the funny thing is, is that what do you mean alienated you from the boat? boat? What do you mean by that? I'm like, well, you'll kind of have to read it. But my dad was the one that brought me her script. My dad didn't know it was as bad as it was until I was already a mom until like five years ago. Hmm. He knew that she didn't like me. He's like, well, she's just jealous. You don't just tell a little girl. Okay. She's jealous. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it's just, so a lot of things that are so common 
or it appears to be common, it's not. It's actually far from it. And it's hiding in plain sight. And so, yeah, it was a, an awakening like no other. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know that you said like you've kind of done done some work. Like, are you continuing through therapy now? You mentioned a book, like all of these things kind of helping you to heal. Uh, yes. So, um, I was always in and out of therapy. I'm not kidding. And this is in the book too. I explain. I was always trying to figure out why do I feel this way? Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. And even the psychologist, because this isn't even in their manual where they diagnose things. And yeah. not that this needs diagnosis so much as it needs awareness because it's preventable. So basically I, um, I just, uh, I still do somatic therapy. Uh, I will always do that. That's somatic therapy is using the uh, mind and body. So you, so it's you work with the body. So when people have trauma, it's it, for a long time that's sustained trauma. It's it's stored in the body, which sounds weird, right? Like mm-hmm. what, where? What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it's their nervous system. So my body was warning me my entire childhood, anxiety, uh, I, panic attacks are like, uh, they can feel different at different ages, but my body was always sending me signals. I just didn't know. I didn't say anything. So there's a lot of, like, it, there's a lot of um, good information to help parents understand, like, uh, it, it's it's almost it, like my mom is just like, she felt so stupid for not knowing. I'm like, nobody would think that this could happen, but yet it happens all the time. And it's, and it's, um, it's actually very prevalent and it happens in family courts and it's, it's really bad in family court because once parents go to family court and they start fighting it is one parent against another parent. And no matter what, it's still a hit for the child. Mm-hmm. So when you choose to divorce, it's one thing. But then you have parents that co-parent. I co-parented. It's, you know, it's still a hit, but you don't lose that attachment. When you lose that attachment to a mother or a father, think about how 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds react on dating apps. Like, how positive have you heard dating apps are these days? <laughs> that's what's happening they'll will attach um to anything right i joke around i'm like i think everyone has dogs because uh, everyone's suffering from some sort of attachment issue which is a normal response you want to protect you want to feel better it's another reason why we have so many um addictions why we want to numb ourselves because we can't explain what we don't know at seven we can't explain, we don't know what an attachment issue is at seven and what's that going to feel like at 30. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, if there's any good of it, it's like, well, I kind of do now. <laughs> and I try to make light of it because it's such a dark subject, but it's so important and it's also part of, uh, of being human. And there's so much shame when we talk about mental health and you're going to get, you're going to have all these issues. No, uh, awareness of wanting to change and wanting to know what go, what, why we act this way, or, uh, that's the beginning to how we kind of take control over our lives. And we're not, um, we're not living off of a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and you're right, some of those linkages that you've made for sure. And so you mentioned somatic work. What could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so so like I said earlier, like I had been into therapy, you know, I've always been every type of therapist, Christian, forensic, just, you know, always curious. Uh, Mm -hmm. And after the Hoffman, um, I remember... uh, saying, I, I need more, I need more help. Like this isn't, I still was like struggling because I had, um, in the middle of all of this, my 21 year marriage kind of imploded. And so 
of course, that's traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. So when you suffer trauma as a kid and then you suffer trauma as an adult, it can feel like you're a little kid again, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I got in contact with the people that had helped me in the first place and they said, honey, we we hold bodies and we hold trauma in our bodies. And I'm like, since when? Nobody ever said that to me. I, I've been going to the doctor for 20 years. Not one psychologist or therapist. Or, nobody knew this. And yet the Hoffman process has been around for 50 years. And I'm like, what the heck? So I started working with my somatic therapist. And she uses modern psychology along with neuroplasticity, which helps uh, change your brain in, in the sense it helps you, um, you grow out of those. Uh, it, it's a... It's a way to get into the trauma. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the best way I can do is explain it. Um, so, we she'll ask me a question like, you know, what, where do you feel that at? And I'll like, I'll feel it in my heart. Like my heart feels heavy today. Let's put your hand on your heart. Like, so it's it always goes back to the way that I wasn't nurtured. Okay, in such a when you're a little kid and you don't have a parent or your parents are hijacked from you, that's sustained trauma. That's a lot of time alone with no guidance. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of, you know, fast forward, you're now going through a divorce and all of those little traumas pop up. And now it's like, oh my God. It's the lack of nurturing. This is paternal deprivation. Mm-hmm. That's what's really, that's really hard because I'm a mom. It, it would be really hard to not know that. It would be really hard to understand that at a six, 16 year old, right? Because mm-hmm. you only have 16 years of experience, of life experience. So, yeah, so somatic therapy goes in and they kind of dig out the, the painful, um, memories that kind of keep people like in a vicious cycle like have you ever been in like a bad mood for a couple of days and like Mm -hmm. why can't I get out of that like what is going on for me so that's what 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 they do and it's it's pretty phenomenal because uh there there are things that uh I do with my somatic therapist which is um we've done um some of the psychedelics ketamine and um, I was part of a Stanford research project and uh, ketamine is used for like, uh, usually, you know, veterans have a lot of mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress, right? With childhood, it's complex. I call it C for complex. But when it's that severe, the mind doesn't want to go there because it hurts. So when you're under a psychedelic in the right environment with the right person, uh, it can be a doorway to an expansion in it, in it. Like it's, it's actually like even more therapy. So there's, so it's, it's, it's fascinating because there is help out there. It's just not every therapist, not everybody is trained in it. So I'm thinking they're going to need one at every corner mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's all, because honestly, um, the way trauma is, a normal biological response, yet we're ashamed for it, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're basic, you basically grow up with a dis. I grew up with a dysregulated nervous system. I didn't know any different, but there are good things that happen. So sometimes, uh, you know, this like somatic therapy was really important. But was what was even more important than the somatic therapy was that. I got away. Uh, I still had access to my family. I was married. I was in a, a good foundation for a long time. So these, these, the things that we do on our own accord and that are positive are massive. But how many kids get that opportunity? Because the script that I read was so bad because my mom, people would say, God, I can't believe you're not an alcoholic or I can't believe you didn't do drugs. I'm like, did you read that? <laughs> so it's like I don't want to feel like oh I'm I'm this like great person it's just it was so bad I rebelled Mm -hmm. I was like you know so uh yeah it's just somatic therapy is 
it's not even covered by insurance. And as much as we watch the news and you see, you know, childhood trauma, 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 you know, since since COVID, right? We've mm-hmm. all been, you know, <laughs> everyone now can say, okay, we've all experienced some sort of trauma. But when it is uh, sustained and when we it's not expressed, it stays in the body. And that's why somatic therapy is so important. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah, that's something we haven't talked about at all on the podcast, really. So that's really interesting. Um, I know you mentioned that you're a parent as well, and you've been a step parent. I wondered, based on your experiences, and I know like you've done so much work and and you've learned a lot, if there's any kind of takeaways that you could give, you know, to somebody who's maybe going through a divorce or being a step parent, things that, you know, could have been done differently um, that could be relevant for them. Yeah. So, you know, step parents, first of all, they're valuable. They really are. Mm-hmm. And they don't, you know, when I say the good ones, uh, good step parents don't need a val- validation. They just, that's just who they are. Mm-hmm. And then they have step parents that um, are good. They may be dealing with a high conflict bio mom, you know, that's jealous of them. And uh, they take a hit because they feel like they're in, um, it's not their family, they, they feel uncomfortable because they're worried about the kids. Um, so what I learned from observing in my experience is, um, and raising my son, you know, um, number one, parents be very careful who you date. Don't date a lot. Wait, give, give, give your divorce and your relationship with your children now because it changes. We still have our parents, but the, we have a different relationship with each parent because we no longer live in the same house. Mm-hmm. So my advice is for parents before they move on to make sure that they have uh, had time uh, to build that new foundation with their kids because if a parent moves on too fast, kids don't understand this because we all say, yeah, I have a step-parent too. It's all great. And it is, but it really isn't if we just, we put a Band-Aid over it because we don't know. But the truth is you need that time with your parents. That helps. That helps. That That's like a steadier foundation. Otherwise, you have blended families and, you know, it, it's a little chaotic, especially if the parents don't co-parent. So number one, if you're a step-parent, and the parents do not co-parent. Step back and just love your spouse so that he can handle, you know, if that's his job or her job to parent their, the kids. Mm-hmm. Don't take on that because that is a, an attachment issue. And, and step parents always like to intervene and say, oh, but no, I love my bonus kids. That's great. But Right now, it, you're, the four-year-old doesn't understand this, but mm-hmm. it does come into play. Unless all parents are okay with it, great, but most of the time they're not. So number one, uh, make sure that you know, you're with someone that is co-parenting, you know, does healthy co-parenting with their ex. Uh, that would be my, my advice. The second one is to always uh, just to focus on your love for the, your spouse. And the kids will see that. It, it takes a long time, just like it takes a long time to raise a kid. The kids will grow up and see that, and they will love you. They will have a special a place in their heart, and they will love you, not like their parent, but they will love you just the same. It's just different because it's, it's a biological need to attach. It, it, it needs no explanation. You know, it's just, it's like an adopted kid. When they get adopted, they're still curious who their mm-hmm. parent is. And sometimes adopted parents will feel sad. And it's like, no, it's, it's normal. It's okay. It's just part of discovering who you are. So that uh, probably uh, also is uh, all parents that are getting a divorce uh, should understand the importance of what goes on for children's minds and bodies as they're growing because it's neglect if you don't is you putting your kids in situations that are, they seem to be normal, but they're not because they're missing their parent. Like some people say, well, I was fine without a single, I was fine with my single mom, or I was fine with my single dad. That's good, you probably were, 
but I bet they think about their other parent. It's still, it's still a hit. You still, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it, you know, it's, it sucks that divorce has to happen. It just, it doesn't, why does it have to be so damaging on the kids and why is it continuing? It's so sad. So obviously there's like with the new research with, you know, knowing that uh, how our brains operate and teaching kids how, you know, to understand their own nervous system. um, It's just a lot, a lot of education is needed because everyone that works with kids should understand uh, how their body and brain develop. Like I didn't really even pay attention to it as a as a parent, I just knew what I needed. So I repeated that. And I was very, that the things that I, I did, rec- my son and I, we kind of laugh, you know, we joke around and laugh now about things. Like, remember when you made me watch that video because he was an athlete and he lost a, a wrestling match. So I made him, <laughs> I don't care that you lost, son. I know you're only in the fifth grade, but watch this video because you lost mentally and you can't lose up here. And keep in mind, I was still under the alienation. I was still brainwashed. So a part of me knew something. I always knew something was off, but it just was disguised as, oh, you have a step monster. Oh, your parents got divorced. Mine too. And I can't tell you, I don't think I've ever met a person that didn't have some sort of, you know, parental trauma Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's just, it's just, it's where we're at in the world and it's, it needs to be addressed because when we hurt one child, when we hurt one child, we hurt everyone. Everyone goes to school with children, right? We all, mm-hmm. we see what goes on in the classrooms. It's getting worse. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're starting to know so much more. And, and then that with that comes a responsibility for sure. So I like that point about um, it's, you know, definitely not only for divorced parents, but every parent needs to start yes. to understand that development for sure. Right. Like, the, do you, I can't remember. Do you have kids? Yes, I do. Yeah. I've got two children. Yeah. So yeah. Like, did you get the book? What what to expect when not accepting, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, but they need one for after. Like, they, they, yeah. they, like so because they, the information wasn't there, and now there's so much information out there. It's just, it's been out there. It's been out there. That's what's surprising. It's like, mm-hmm. how, how, what do you mean the body holds on to trauma? So now there's, you'll see, like, I think Dr. Gamore, he's a really trauma educator so doctors are stepping down from their positions because they're realizing because uh, you're only taught what you're taught in college they don't mm. so it's very interesting it's just and it's also hopeful though too because i mm-hmm. you know when you do find out you're alienated it's an unraveling it, it and honestly um i'm glad i found out as i was older because Think about it. I don't know. Remember being a teen? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so com- uncomfortable, right? So imagine all you have is like first 14 years of life. Your parents got divorced. Everyone thinks you're a bad kid. Oh, wait, you've been alienated. We're going to send you to this reunification camp that can't work because you can't change a child's foundation, the brain. That doesn't, you would have to rebrainwash them. Mm. It's so sad. So, uh, if that's all the experience that they have, it, like if I would have found out at 13 or 14, I always look at my mom and go, I don't know, mom, like, because I was always running away from her. So I'm like, the alienated kids, it's like, oh, just think about like a regular teenager is, mm-hmm. you know, challenging. An alienated yeah. teenager is like triple, maybe even quadruple because there's so much anger and emotions that they can't explain that makes sense for sure and and just yeah they're not not even aware probably of what's happening so their reactions are very loud and disproportionate so go out into the world go in the on the airlines fly a flight and then you'll always see that one passenger that's really acting disproportionate I'm going, oh my God, I wonder if he was alienated. 
Oh, yeah. I don't want kids to find out and feel like ashamed of it. That was their, the anger, anger and anxiety. That's what was funny is that my anger and anxiety kept me alive. If Mm -hmm. I wasn't angry, I would have probably started numbing myself at an early age. And that's what's scary too Mm -hmm. for these kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so before we wrap up, I wondered if there are any other kind of pieces of advice or tips or tools that you wanted to share generally. There's no perfect parent. All parents make mistakes. Your kids will make mistakes. It's all about owning those mistakes and moving, leaning in so that parents and their kids can be more awakened and more living their life in the present not always um because what happens is if you don't attend to the wounds that hurt you in childhood they will constantly collide in the present and your emotional reactions you will stay stunted forever until you deal with those uncomfortable disproportionate reactions that every human has and when we're brave enough to kind of go inward we can build a, a, a brand new future you know it's still life but just stay hopeful and it's okay to make mistakes it happens don't deny them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense for sure I'm sure a lot of people will We'll find that helpful. Um, How can listeners find out more about you if they're just looking for more information? You mentioned your book. Do you have a website or social media? Yes, yes. So you can, um, my website is thestephoodproject.org. So stephood. Um, You know, I didn't have a childhood. I had a stephood. That's where that comes Mm -hmm. from. (laughs) Uh, Instagram, lisa.goodpastor on Instagram. Facebook. I have a Facebook group called The Stephood Project. And uh, I'm on TikTok too as well. Uh, the kids are on there. That's why I'm on there. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm all about the kids. I, the, the, that's, that's why I'm doing this for the parents as well. But if somebody would have came and said, hey, Lisa, I think you were, you were alienated. I think this happened to you and you're going to be okay. Because it's very scary. Mm-hmm. It's very scary mm-hmm. for kids teenagers especially yeah absolutely um i really appreciate you sharing your story i know it is definitely um a heavy and challenging one i'm sure to share and i do appreciate you sharing that with us and hopefully enlightening some of our listeners to even think about this i know for me i never heard of parental alienation so it's just something that's a I good do. thing for, yeah so, that, so that's actually like oh you haven't that's so refreshing <laughs> to hear so i'm like your kids are gonna be fine <laughs> and it's not yeah. that yeah that's a good thing i mean that's yeah it 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 yeah, all parents, all parents, even whether they're divorced or still married or don't know about it, they should know because it could, you could have a kid just hanging out at your house. Like, this kid never wants to go home. Why? I don't know. Something's mm-hmm. going on at their house. They feel safer because I had, that's one of the ways I survived was I managed to have really good friends and I, I hung out with intact families. I was such a rebel. <laughs> mm, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good things that, a lot of things that went right as well. It still doesn't <laughs> discount what, what we went through. But, you know, I just want to assure parents that um, this is a, it's, it's psychological, it's severe psychological abuse for a, a growing kid and, you know, teenager. And yeah. they wouldn't know how to explain it. Um, I was the one that had to get corral my parents basically and you know most parents don't want to come around and own their own stuff but that's how powerful Mm -hmm. my stepmom's uh stuff was that it was like this this needs to be used to help educate Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 also before i forget the stepmoms um it's normal to have thoughts but thoughts aren't facts it's a, like it's normal to to feel 
insecure or maybe a little suspicious or you know does he still think about the ex-wife because my, my stepmom was as everyone will read could just tell that she wasn't right and mm-hmm. you see that throughout society how we've normalized it and it's not normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no that's another really good good flag for people for sure um like I said, I, I really appreciate your time and I will link up to all of these um, pages and social media in the show notes and hopefully everybody can find out a little bit more about you and, and read some of your work. So appreciate it and just really great to meet you. Thank you. You too. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on here. And yes, I look forward to spreading more awareness and meeting some of these kids that were hurt. Have you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports, Also, while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide, where you can even see a preview of the book. Or you can listen to Chapter 1, which is on Episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel, and thanks for your support. Thank you so much to Lisa Goodpaster for our conversation today. I think there was so much to take from this, and I hope that you were able to take that information as well. Just learning a little bit more about what parental alienation is. Um, Maybe it's something that you've experienced in your life and you really weren't aware that it was a thing. Um, and, And I think that's where some of these conversations can be so helpful because we learn Um, about different things that are happening in the world and in lives and what could maybe be impacting even us. Um, As I mentioned off the top, thought it was really interesting to hear more about somatic therapy and some of her different tips around divorce and being a step parent and, you know, kind of the place there that, you know, that you can focus on loving your spouse and try to understand the children, but not trying to take on the role of the other parent that um, is not there at the time. So I think those are some really great tips. I was really blown away by Lisa's story. It's super complex and um, sounds like such a very challenging thing to work through. And she's, she's done so much to overcome what she's been through. If you are interested in learning more from Lisa, she mentioned her website, thestephoodproject.com. Also, you can find her on Facebook at The Stephood Project and Instagram at lisa.goodpastor. And the good pastor is G-O-O-D-P-A-S-T-E-R. If you are interested in learning more about her, please connect with her in those places and I will put those in the show notes so that you can click away and be able to find her more easily. Again, I hope this conversation has provided you with some interesting insights. If you are interested in being on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast or you have Um, a guest that you think I should reach out to or a book that you think should be featured, anything that you think would be a great fit, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at realliferojectco at gmail.com or reach out on Instagram at saraladygluten. Please reach out if you've got some ideas or just general feedback on the podcast. Would love to hear it, even if it's just a broad topic um, that you're thinking would be really great to cover. I'd love to hear from you. So with that, I will sign off for another week and I hope everybody has a great relaxing week. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok, 
at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi, ko-fi.com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.